David, peanut butter whiskey is the new craze. I want to know, what is the next crazy flavor whiskey that's going to be coming out? Fantasy football flavors. Ah, we are the screwball of fantasy football podcasts. It's the fantasy finish line. Alright, this is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. Uh, Dave, it's good to have you here today, but we got to welcome our guest tonight. Sean Foss is here, welcome, our Sean. rookie expert. Welcome, Sean. Happy to be here as always, guys. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, it looks like we already got people in the chat room, so thank you for joining us, peoples. Uh, remember, if you're listening to this later in the week, that we do air live on Wednesday nights. Um, generally we start sometime around nine o'clock. Uh, so keep an eye on that and you can ask us questions live and that's a good time always. So, um, uh, tonight we've got Sean, we're going to talk about some rookies. We are going to, uh, make some picks between some tight players and Dave has a list about a mile and a half long of guys who were injured this week. Um, so it's been a rather eventful week in the NFL, uh, we know that everybody has gotten through, hopefully, their first round of the playoffs. Uh, the next round is coming up this week. But first, I need to ask you guys, what are you drinking? And I look around, and I think I see the same beer in front of everybody. So this will be a quick one. Currently, uh, Antihero by Revolution. And, yeah, I brought I brought down a, uh, a, a threesome of the same beers. So we are all operating on the same frequency this evening. That's an interesting way of putting it. Thank you. Yeah, same same frequency. Agreed. <laughs> And Jason, uh, you had a couple beers earlier. Anything of note? Um, so I really like the Giant Killer from Scorched Earth. Um, and I had one here before we went to dinner. I can't remember what it is now, but it was a tasty beer. It's a good brew. Oh, it was an anti-hero. It was probably. an anti-hero by Revolution. <laughs> Look at me. He's loving it. I, I'm, I'm way up into the beers already. Look at him. All right, cheers, guys. Cheers. So if you're listening to the show, remember that all the music is going to have some sort of theme, and if you can identify said theme, please send an email to dave at drink5.com or jason at drink5.com, and if you are correct with your theme, you may win a prize. You may. So where are we starting tonight, Jason? We're going to start with Pick Your Poison. This is a segment you came up with, Dave. I like the thought i like the title appreciate it so what i want you all to do is go to drink5.com and check out dave's rankings he sets them up every week uh some weeks he does amazing some weeks he's not quite so amazing but you know that's the way fantasy football goes we can't win In week all. 13 he was number nine overall <laughs> for the fantasy experts on fantasypros.com which is really good when there's well over 100 guys to be like the number two guy at wide receiver is very impressive 
So congrats, Dave, on a very good week. Appreciate uh, that. Week I'm, go- I'm shooting for number one, though, so we'll see. Okay. Well, I, more, I hope that you get it. <laughs> more power to you. So we're going to pick your poison, and what we're going to do is we're going to take some guys that are uh, ranked right next to each other, a uh, couple quarterbacks, some wide receivers, some running backs, tight ends, and uh, we're going to go around the table and we're going to pick who we think is going to have a better week. Um, so what I need to do is set up a little spreadsheet here. Mike isn't actually on the podcast, so I don't need to put his name on it. Anyways, I'm just going to dive into the players. We can worry about picking them later. Uh, so at quarterback, we've got Kyler Murray, who is playing Cleveland. He's number seven on your list, Dave. And Ryan Tannehill, who's playing Houston at home. Both of these guys are at home. He's number eight on the list. So Kyler Murray's been trending downward lately. Going into the bye week, he had played the 49ers twice, scored at least 23 points in his last three games <clears> leading into the bye. After the bye week, which was week 12 for him, he scored just 14 and then 13 points in the last two weeks. So Murray has been running for his life on a lot of plays because he's getting sacked all the time. He's leading the league in sacks. I believe he's been sacked 46 times this year. Um, So this week, Kyler Murray plays the Browns. They're giving up the 14th most points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Do you guys have any quick thoughts on Kyler Murray? Uh, as a, in relation to this upcoming week, or uh, mostly this upcoming week, because that's the the performance that we're looking into. But he's you know, or, or the rest of the season. There's two well, weeks left. Well, we're we're also going to have a segment a little bit later from Sean, who's our uh, college football and rookie expert. I'm sure he'll touch on Kyler a little bit as well. But right now, what I would like to bring to the table is just that uh, this upcoming matchup against Cleveland. Some interesting stats here. Um, the the five quarterbacks to rush for 20-plus yards against uh, Cleveland, Marcus Mariota, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, and Ryan Fitzpatrick have all averaged about 25-plus fantasy points per game uh, against the Cleveland Browns. And they have the five highest fantasy scores. So anyone this year who is a rushing quarterback against Cleveland is doing really well. So... Because Murray averages 34.5 yards per game this season, it puts him in that same class. It would it would stand to reason that he would also be among the top five performances against the Browns this upcoming week. So I assume that he's going to also have a game that is 25-plus fantasy points this week. It is true that he has been trending down, but he's been playing uh, guys like the Steelers and the Bills, and they've stopped him from rushing, as well as having good passing defenses. So... Um, I know we're talking about Kyler uh, as opposed to Tannehill, uh, and we'll get more into that. Mm-hmm. But but I do think that uh, even though uh, Murray might be a player that's trending down, I think when we look back on it, um, in hindsight, we'll look at it and say, oh, of course he was going to trend back up. Okay, so our other guy that we're looking at is the number eight quarterback on the week, Ryan Tannehill. Meanwhile, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL, who's not named Lamar. Uh, ever since he took over the starting job in Tennessee, the Titans are 6-1 and one during this span of games. They are scoring just over 31 points per game. And his opponent, the Texans, giving up the sixth sixth most points to opposing quarterbacks. So, guys, uh, you have to pick. Um, we can start with me. And I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill in this matchup of Tannehill versus Murray. Uh, I am just a huge Tannehill supporter lately. Dave was always a big Tannehill supporter in the past years, and now I see what you saw in this guy. He is excellent. Um, he needs to be uh, on a team where he is more of a game manager than the uh, 
focal point of the offense, in my opinion. And they have that because Derrick Henry is running the ball very well. I love your bandwagon jumping, man. All right. I just need to not like twist my ankle <laughs> while I'm getting on the bandwagon. So, Sean, uh, who do you like, Kyler um, Murray or Ryan Tannehill? It's hard to not pick Tannehill in this situation. Tannehill's been red hot the last four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the, the Titans offense seems to be unlocked a little bit with him as opposed to Mariota. And they get a Texans defense that has been just not not very good against opposing quarterbacks. <laughs> so over their last, um, let's do the math, over their last nine games, they've given up three passing touchdowns in seven of them, and they've given up 270-plus passing yards in eight of them. And again, Tannehill is red hot and gets to now face that defense. On the other side, Kyler... Um, again, I think you're right in saying that the running quarterbacks have fared well against uh, Cleveland. I mean, hell, they let Ryan Fitzpatrick run for 45 yards and a <laughs> touchdown a couple weeks ago. Um, but at the same time, they haven't given up more than 200. They've given up more than 250 yards passing twice in their last six games. Actually, more than 225 twice in their last six games. And Kyler's been thrown for under 200 a lot lately. Um, they've, they've started to rely on tight ends in the run game a little bit more than early in the year when they were playing a lot of four wide sets. Um, I do think Kyler's got more upside this week than he's been showing lately. He's been getting by on touchdowns only. Um, I think he'll do a little better than he has cause he'll run the ball a little better against Cleveland, but you have to take Tannehill given on a hot streak against a terrible quarterback defense. So uh, currently in in the rankings, I have Kyler one slot above Tannehill. Now I change that all throughout the week depending on what's happening. Um, and Jason was uh, alerted me earlier today. He's like, I don't know if there's a mistake. Uh, I don't know why Kyler's above Tannehill. I'm not sure what's happening here. <laughs> I totally agree with you guys, and I am certainly not anti Tannehill. I sent over to Jason earlier, in fact, a little snippet that I was um, I was telling to someone I work with uh, named Harry, who has a bunch of fantasy leagues. He said, should I play Tannehill or Aaron Rodgers? And I said, Tannehill, 100% all the way. Here's the reasons. And it makes total sense to me. However, I just feel like um, like Murray's going to have that bounce back game here that he needs to. He's going to rush for a lot. I would, wouldn't be surprised if he has a rushing touchdown and two passing touchdowns. I know that the game uh, that they're playing uh, with the team the Cardinals currently have is, is not the best. But I also know that uh, the majority of the games that he played were very good fantasy games. And I'm kind of waiting for Tannehill to have that Fitzpatrick moment. So uh, that all said, um, a lot of this is also luck, remember. But I am still sticking to my guns and leaving Murray where he is and, uh, and voting on Murray over Tannehill this week. But I do think that they're going to finish around the same, I'm, I'm, I would say, around 26 fantasy points each. So a very close uh, encounter. All right, so moving on to the next matchup, we've got Kirk Cousins, who's playing in L.A. against the Chargers, which will be, I guess, Minneapolis Southwest. And then we've got Carson Wentz, who's going to Washington. They are the number 13 and 14 uh, wide receiver, or, sorry, quarterback. And I just wanted to point out, uh, these people in the chat room, you're all wonderful and lovely. And, yes, we will get Sean more shots as soon as we get a little assistance here in the studio. So... um, what I want to say about Kirk Cousins is that he is on a downward fantasy trend. It's not getting any easier this week because the Chargers are giving up the fourth fewest points to opposing quarterbacks. They have yielded only 20, two 20-point games this season to Watson and Tannehill. Um, and Cousins is without one of his top targets. That would be Adam Thielen. So he is at least winning games. 
three of his last four, and he's very efficient. Just last week, Cousins spread the ball around to 11 different receivers. Um, so, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins playing very well for the Vikings. And then you've got Carson Wentz, who played one of the worst quarters of football I've ever seen. Him and Eli Manning were trying to set football back by a decade. Football. Football. The football giants. Um, but then, you know, Carson Wentz remembered that Zach Ertz was on the team, and he threw to him 13 times on Monday night. So Wentz wound up throwing the ball 50 times overall, and he had a respectable 19.9 fantasy points. This week, the matchup against the Redskins is a little meh. The Redskins are giving up the 13th most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. That's kind of middle of the pack. Mm -hmm. Last week, they did hold Aaron Rodgers to just over 11 points. However, such hallowed names as Kyle Allen and Sam Darnold have recently scored at least 24 points. Plus, when you say hold Aaron Rodgers, it was mostly just like, we're just going to run the ball on you all game It was long. mostly Aaron Jones holding Aaron <laughs> Rodgers back. Of course, it's the real A.A. Ron. Yeah. But the main question here, and we'll start with Sean this time, is Cousins or Wentz? Uh, for me, this one's not that tough of a call, and it's it's Wentz. Um, for me, you know, Philly is up against Washington, and the Eagles that we've seen the last few weeks aren't going to run away from the Redskins and make it just pound the ball the rest of the way. They're not playing that level of football right now. Uh, and believe it or not, there are exactly four quarterbacks with more weeks as a top 12 finisher at the position this year than Carson Wentz. Uh, Cousins, meanwhile, is facing the Chargers, who you mentioned are fourth against quarterbacks in terms of limiting points. They're not necessarily good against the pass. They rank 20th in Football Outsiders uh, pass defense DVOA. The problem is they're worse against the run, and teams are able to just kind of pound the rock. And when you have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, you're going to run it down their throat more so than throw it. Um, and especially with Derwin James now back for the Chargers in the back end, that's going to hold even more true. Um, and that's basically why I'd prefer Wentz over over Cousins this week. And and for myself, uh, I also would go with Wentz. I, I think it's more of a of a down on cousins this particular week than it is an up on Wentz. However, echoing what Sean says, in addition, uh, the, the little routes to the tight ends and running backs who are pretty much all the receivers that they have on that team could obviously still result in touchdowns. And I think they will. Don't so, forget Adam Thielen should be back this week. I don't know. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I personally, I personally <laughs> don't bet on that. I personally don't think Adam Thielen will be back, but, but he, uh, he did uh, practice in limited <clears throat> fashion today. So that's that's an upside for for Thielen. Adam's Adam Thielen's hamstring is almost as soft as Alshon Jeffries. Ooh. I think I think Alshon it's his feet. No, <laughs> it is foot. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But it's yes, all I, soft tissue. I, I go with Wentz, but it's more because I'm down on Cousins this week versus the Chargers, who kind of have this renewed defense. Their offense looks really good. I don't feel like the Cousins will be out there uh, on offense for the majority of the time that they usually are. Uh, and I, I don't think that they'll be able to uh, to put up the points that they normally do, especially uh, without Thielen. But even if they have Thielen, I'll give you a 50-50 on him coming out by halftime. I, I actually think they've been overly <laughs> cautious with his injury. I think he's good to go. I think you'll be surprised. I think he plays a full slate of snaps and jumps right back in where he left off this week. Fair enough. Let's do a, a shot here on the show uh, for Thielen. Oh, this is for Thielen? I don't know if I could drink that. Well, come the, on. We want everyone to get better. Right? To, no, the, no, to, to Thielen's health, guys. Come I'll on. I'll sip a little beer for Thielen. Okay. And that's fine because I am going to go with Kirk Cousins here. Um, I, I'm kind of torn between Wentz and Cousins. One thing I've learned um, at the end of the season right now is that Dave is usually right 
Ooh. when it comes to this shit. Appreciate so that. I'm just going to go with the guy that Dave has ranked higher. You know, when they're so close, it's really tough. <laughs> That's the point. It is. So remember, if you can figure out the theme, email daviddrink5.com or jason at drink5.com. Get us the answer. If you're correct, we'll send you a prize. Maybe. Depending on if you were the first person to do it and if we like you or not. You have to be right as well. (laughs) So uh, we will move on to the running back position. You have given us, Dave, Mark Ingram playing the Jets at home, number 13, or Philip Lindsay going to Kansas City, number fourteen. I consider this a pretty tough. Uh, so that Mark choice. Ingram matchup is on Thursday night. Ingram has disappointed in fantasy over the last couple weeks, but his workload has been consistent. He's between sixteen and eighteen touches in the last three games, but he hasn't found the end zone, and that's a big problem because he's not the kind of player who's going to get twenty-five plus touches, and he's not going to put up gaudy yardage like an Austin Eckler or something like that. So the Jets are giving up the eighth fewest points. To opposing running backs and have only given up two 20-point performances on the season that went to Sony Michelle and Ezekiel Elliott. Meanwhile, you got Philip Lindsay, who's now in a surging offense because apparently Drew Locke is the second coming of, you know, name amazing rookie quarterback Let's here. Let's wait till we get some tape on him. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they did just drop 38 on the Texans last week. Uh, Lindsay is seeing a clear majority of the carries over Royce Freeman, and he's even getting goal line work. The Chiefs are giving up the third most points to opposing running backs. They've even given up 12 double-digit performances so far this year. So the Chiefs have to respect the newfound passing game of the Broncos. It's going to open it up a little bit for Philip Lindsay, in my opinion. Dave, you uh, pick first this time around. Okay, I, I take Mark Ingram. I do like Lindsay. I've had him on a couple teams all year. What's interesting about Lindsay is everything you said is absolutely right. He's taken over uh, the carries, the majority of the snaps in the backfield. However, he hasn't really translated those to really big fantasy games. Mark Ingram has had some big fantasy games. I ultimately think that that's more uh, to the whimsy of Lamar Jackson and the play calling on the Ravens. So the reason I'm looking at Ingram as being the guy this week is specifically because of uh, the issue that Lamar Jackson has currently. We look at Ingram as having a really high floor, and uh, and Lamar Jackson has a, a hamstring issue, which um, we think he's a little bit over, but, but we're not sure, and he's still only practicing on a limited capacity. He has a short week uh, playing on Thursday after, after just playing uh, on the, uh, was it the, um, uh, on Sunday? They just played at noon. And so, because of that, I feel like they're going to try to protect their quarterback a little bit and maybe do a little bit more handing off at the goal line and in certain situations to Ingram uh, or short passes instead of having Lamar Jackson run for them like he normally would. So that's that's my opinion. I say Ingram over Philip Lindsay because Lindsay just hasn't shown that breakout game yet. Um, I know it's in him, but I don't think it's this week. Okay, I am going to go with Philip Lindsay because of the matchup. It's an excellent matchup for them. The uh, opponents of the Chiefs haven't taken as much advantage of the running, the weak running defense that they have in the last couple of weeks. I was surprised that the Patriots did not run the ball as much as they should have probably last week. So I do expect that the Broncos will remedy that, that they will run the ball a lot in order to assist their, you know, new guy, Drew Locke. So I'm going with Philip Lindsay. 
Sean? Um, I would agree with Jason. Uh, I definitely prefer Philip Lindsay of the two. I'd be surprised if, if Mark Ingram carries the ball more than a couple of times in the second half of that football game. The Ravens are currently a 16.5-point favorite against the Jets, and they're not going to continue to run Ingram out there if they get up by multiple scores in the second half. Um, Lindsay is going to get plenty of work as long as Denver can keep Chiefs from running away. Uh, Kansas City is a much stronger pass defense than run defense. Um, again, going back to the football outsiders DVOA uh, stat, which basically measures defensive efficiency, uh, the Chiefs rank 30th in run defense and 6th in pass defense. So I'd look for Lindsay to do well there. Meanwhile, the Jets, as bad as they've you know seemed on paper, uh, they are the number two run defense in the league in DVOA. So I'd be very surprised to see Ingram have a blow-up game. I think if you play Ingram over Lindsey, you're hoping he scores one or two touchdowns in the first half to make up for the fact that he's not really going to play in the second half. And, and I like Dave's sort of pronunciation that because Jackson has the hamstring issue, they'll want to just hand it off a little bit more. Who's the more important person on the offense and the one you need to re- uh, protect? But I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't see Lamar Jackson as being the guy that – is going to think of that in the middle of the game. Well, that's why I get paid the mediocre bucks. I don't. I don't know if. <laughs> I honestly don't think it would surprise me if Gus Edwards outscored both of these guys. The Gus bus. Let's see it. Hey, look, man. I mean, there's been there's there's <laughs> been board. there's been weeks where Royce Freeman scores a touchdown and not sure. Philip Lindsay, and it's it's all game script, right? Sure. And they've and they've been more of a 50-50 split than I would have expected coming into the year. And even if Lindsay's played a little more lately, it's not an exorbitant amount more than Freeman. If there's anything that I'm banking on this week, it's just that uh, hamstring soft tissue injury is rough. We don't want uh, Lamar Jackson to uh, be out a game, so they're going to lean a little bit on anybody that can help uh, him not stress out his existing injury. Justice Hill breakout week, man. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe so. All right, next matchup is going to be Patrick Laird of the Miami Dolphins, in case you have no idea who that is. He's a running back. They're playing in New York against the Giants in New Jersey. I hope if you play fantasy, you know who this uh, this Patrick fellow is. And then there's Kenyon Drake against Cleveland. So these are the number 30 and 31 ranked running backs. These are all standard rankings, standard scoring rankings that we are giving you uh, for this little segment here. So Laird is, in my opinion, a desperation play if you need a starting r- running back and you're chasing volume. He has 2.7 yards per attempt this season. That's absurdly bad. McCaffrey Light? <laughs> A shout-out from the chat room. I just had to do that. So, he does have at least four receptions in each of his last two games. So, I guess PPR. The Giants are giving up the 15th most points to opposing running back right in the middle of the pack. They did give up 18 points to someone named Boston Scott last week. So, I guess it's good if you want to start guys you've never heard of and think they're going to do well. So, on the other side of this matchup, you've got Kenyon Drake. He has not broken 100 yards from scrimmage or scored a touchdown since his first game with Cardinals back in Week 9. So he does have a bit of a PPR mojo going, 21 catches in the last five games. Uh, he is on a surprising number in on a surprising number of offensive snaps, 76% uh, of snaps per game with the Cardinals. So like Laird, he's a guy that you're chasing volume with, uh, but he has a very low ceiling. So the Browns give up the 13th most points to opposing running back. This is Bland. Dave, you picked beige versus khaki here in our matchup so it's kind of like a blah versus meh i mean i don't agree with that i think either one of these guys could blow up depending on the game script in there and they're both going against defenses that are not particularly difficult against uh uh good rushing or receiving backs i I mean 
you know, I, I just see a lot of middle of the road here, which makes a good choice. It makes for a good, you know, it's not like either of these guys stand out to me. In I, fact. I don't want you to brush away a, a guy like Patrick, for example, because he could score a lot of points, and he showed that he had that ability to do that already. Uh, Dave, same with Kenyon Drake. If, so, if you have taught me anything this year, it is to stop putting faith in bad teams. <laughs> okay? Well, who are, who's Miami playing? They're playing the Giants, right. but... <laughs> I don't care. Bad team versus bad sometimes. You know the bad team that I was putting faith in? Kenyon Drake is playing that team. I'm gonna go with Kenyon Drake. Fair. Um, I would actually I'm gonna go with Patrick Laird uh in this one. I think this is closer than some of the other ones we talked about, at least for me. I know you got them ranked next to each other. Um, but for me the thing the big difference between Laird and Drake is that we know that Laird is gonna get most of the running back snaps. Um, you know, the first week without Kalen Balaj uh, on the field, uh, Laird played 82% of the offensive snaps for the Dolphins, and he's clearly the guy they want to use as the receiving back on third downs. PPR, it's not nearly as close as it is in a standard league. Um, you know, Drake, though, we're suddenly seeing kind of David Johnson start to get more playing time. Chase Edmonds is back. The Cardinals are using tight ends more. Um, I just think that there's not as much work for Drake. I think the matchups are similar. Browns are worse defending the actual running game. Giants worse defending passes to running backs. And Laird's specialty is as a receiver out of the backfield from what we've seen. Uh, I think Laird is the guy that I would go with of the two, but it's not a runaway in either direction. I, I agree that, that Laird has not shown a huge high-powered um, motor against some of these defenses. When you look at the game against the, the Jets last week, for example, he had 19 touches. Uh, including 48 yards rushing and 38 receiving. Now, that's that's not a great stat, but the Jets uh, were number two ranked rush defense last week. And you have to take that into consideration when you look at that as compared to who they're playing this week in the Giants. I think that Laird will once again get 15 to 20 touches, and I, I do think that uh, that that Patrick Laird is, is the guy as well. And, and I have Kenyon Drake on some squads, and I love Kenyon Drake. I love what they're doing with him. But you also have to look at the fact, like he said, that they're playing tight ends. They're playing multiple running backs. David Johnson scored a touchdown last week. They're going to get those guys involved. If David Johnson like is starting to get healthier, he's going to really, really cannibalize what Kenyon Drake can do on that team. Sure, I, I am more betting against Laird than betting for Drake in this scenario. Well, there's nothing wrong with you, and you don't have, you don't have to defend yourself, but there's there's nothing wrong with you saying that here's a new guy, he's on the Dolphins, you know, they're playing a horrible team, both teams want to lose, both teams at this point are just uh, in a, uh, you know, in a bid to get a better draft position in 2020. It's Eli Manning versus Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. What year is this? So, so here's, here's what Fair. I, here's what I want to say about the two. But Laird, I pick Laird, though. Laird in week 14 had more scrimmage yards than Drake has had in any of the last four games. I like that stat. And keep in mind that Kalen Balage for the year averaged less than two yards per carry as the starter. The first week with Balage gone against the number two run defense and run DVOA on Football Outsiders averaged 3.2 yards per carry against them. So Lindsey and Laird are the favored running backs <clears throat> so far.
on to the wide receivers. I like this first matchup a lot, Dave. We've got Debo Samuel of the Niners going to be hosting Atlanta there, number 27. And then you've got Terry McLaurin, number 28, going to play the Philadelphia Eagles. So Debo's on a great stretch, scoring 100 yards or a touchdown in the last five games, even though his target volume has gone a lot, gone way down. So in weeks 10 and 11, he had 21 targets. And then in the last three weeks, he's only had 14 targets total. But he has managed double-digit points in the last five weeks. So Samuel is a key part of this high-powered offense. He's going to maintain his high floor, in my opinion, especially against the Falcons. They give up the 12th most points to opposing wide receivers. Uh, they have done well the last couple weeks against Carolina and New Orleans, so they're playing a little bit better. So on the other side, you got Scary Terry. He broke a six-game touchdown drought last week with a catch that will be on his highlight reel for his entire career. It was an offhand, one-handed catch. Odell Beckham, eat your heart out. <laughs> so still, he has struggled to find consistency with Haskins, who's playing very poorly at quarterback. His matchup this week against the Eagles is as good as he's going to get for the rest of the season. I just can't get behind the Redskins passing game, however. So it is on Sean to choose between Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin. Um, I've got to go with Debo. Um, yeah, he's, he seems like the obvious choice here. Uh, I love I love McLaurin. I think he's going to be really good, and I like I, I feel like him and Haskins have a connection because they were teammates in college last year. It's um, just a slow slow going connection. But but the thing, yeah, <laughs> you're right. Haskins hasn't played well, and it's been a low volume attack. They want to run the football with Adrian Peterson, and pre, before you know halftime last week, Darius Geis, and I think that's going to continue against Philadelphia. They're going to try to run the ball, although the Eagles are worse defending the pass. Um, Whereas on the other side, Debo has been clearly a breakout. I mean, every week he's putting up a big play. Even in weeks where he's only gotten a couple of targets, he's managed to turn in fantasy-relevant performances. And the Falcons this week are likely to use Desmond Trufant to cover Emmanuel Sanders. And their number two corner is likely to miss the week, which is going to open things up even more for Debo. Um, I don't see how you could play McLaurin over Samuel. And I 100% agree. I like your synopsis on Debo. I think that him versus Atlanta looks pretty good. Uh, he's clearly, in my opinion, now the number one receiver there. Sanders has been really great as well. But I, San- Sanders is still number one, but Debo, Debo's got the long-term number one look for sure. I, I disagree, man, but it depends how you qualify that, right? I, I think that the first look on most of those passes is going to be to Debo. That's what I've seen in the past couple of games. But we can talk about this another time. Uh, I think what's important is I agree with you uh, and Jason and that uh, Debo is the guy this time around. And Terry McLaurin's touchdown you that happened. I haven't even said what I'm going to pick yet. Oh. Oh, what, well, a, what a catch, by the way. Let I assume. Spoilers, Dave. I assume because you don't have McLaurin on your team. <laughs> I, I assume that Devo is the guy. Why, why don't I go right to you? But I will I will say this. Um, last week, uh, McLaurin did better than we thought he would, but it was mostly because of of that catch at the very end. And, and we can call it garbage or we can't, whatever, whatever we want to say about it. But he's a great receiver who doesn't have the stuff this year based on uh, the guys around him. Yeah, no, that's very accurate. And I, too, will be going with Debo Samuel. Debo it is. I'm a big fan of Debo. As you can tell by the way that I, Little Debo. you know, talked up each of these guys, you know, <laughs> I clearly see more uh, potential for Debo Samuel than Terry McLaurin. So, on to our next matchup. Zach Pascal. It's great when we can agree, isn't it? It's our first unanimous choice. So, does that mean McLaurin's going to have 20 points and... Pretty much. 
<laughs> I, I mean, I'd be for it. Maybe I win score in the high score pool in our, in our league where I've got him. <laughs> so uh, Indianapolis receiver, Zach Pascal, playing in New Orleans. He's our number 35 guy. Darius Slayton will be uh, hosting the Miami Dolphins. He of the New York football giants. He is number 36. So Zach Pascal is the de facto WR1 on the Colts because T.Y. Hilton is sidelined. I need to put dots in between those T and Ys so I don't call him Ty anymore. Though, Ty Hilton. it's possible that Ty Hilton returns this week. So keep they an also, eye on the... Um, they also just sent Paris Campbell to IR, so it's another receiver they're down. I mean, if it's only Zach Pascal, that's a that's pretty great for it's, you know his fantasy. It's Zach outlook. Pascal and Jack Doyle. That's the team right now. It's yeah. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> so Pascal's usage is all over the place. He's got five games with double digit points, seven games under three points. The Saints are giving up the fourth most points to opposing wide receivers and the fourth fewest to opposing running backs. Obviously, we're not talking about running backs necessarily here, but my point is that this could be a game with a lot of passing from the Colts. So I believe it'll probably be a high-volume game for Pascal, as long as Hilton is still out. Darius Slayton had another big game on Monday night. It was in the rain. He scored two touchdowns for the third time this season. It's not bad for a rookie. The most of his starts have been coming, uh, his stats, excuse me, are coming from big games. And he has five games under five points as well. So he's a boomer bust guy, you know, for sure. Slayton has to battle a suddenly healthy Giants wide receiver group. They have um, Sterling Shepard back. They have um, Golden Tate playing right now. What's what's the status? En- is Engram potentially back this week, or is he still out? I'm not sure, but if Engram is back, that's just another uh, mouth to feed in that offense. You know that Eli only has so much to give. <laughs> so en- Engram is practicing, FYI, uh, in limited capacity. So he's <laughs> he's looking good to start, but it's not a, a sure thing yet. It is unlikely that. Slayton reproduces his Monday night performance, so I'd caution against chasing the points there. However, the Dolphins are giving up the second-to-most points to opposing wide receivers, including 14 double-digit performances. High risk, high reward for Darius Slayton, and I do believe that it is uh, Dave's turn to pick first. So this is actually a really tough one for me, and when I was originally doing the rankings this week, I really struggled with these two guys specifically because of the fact that Darius Slayton uh, has been accepting these these great long passes from Eli, and Eli just needs someone out there that happens to be Slayton. It looked like when I was watching their connection, like um, like it's one of those things where uh, you've got a backup quarterback, right, who always practices with those guys that are the wide receiver threes, fours, fives. It looked like Eli and Slayton had been practicing this for a long time. And the reason it looked like that is because they have, I'm pretty sure, been practicing that for a long time. So whenever we see quarterbacks come in for the starter, which is weird that it's Eli, but still, that's the facts. He has been practicing this with Slayton um, uh, with the twos for a long time. And I think that that this is going to continue if Eli starts. So I'll say this. Uh Darius Slayton over Pascal, contingent on Eli Manning starting and not Daniel Jones. Uh, you don't get to go contingents. Okay, then I so go Zach Pascal. Go Pascal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, if we could do that, I'd, I'd make the Engram situation a contingency if too. If then, uh, otherwise, do this. I'm going to go with Darius Slayton here um, because of the great matchup against uh, Miami. I feel like Eli wants to go out with a bang, and he's just going to fucking should be chucking it downfield. See, I agree with you. So if Eli's starting, Slayton's going to kill it. 
So this one is probably the toughest of the ones that we're going to talk about for me, but I'm actually going to go the opposite and go with Pascal because he is so much safer than Slayton because we haven't seen Slayton much with a full slate of receivers. And you're right, in the last four weeks, he's been great. He's had at least seven targets, at least 10 PPR points every single week in the last four. And in two of those games, he went for 120-plus yards and two touchdowns. Scary good, yeah. He, the ceiling is certainly higher with Darius Slayton. Are you saying this is Pascal. one of those uh, those sneaky starts that, instead of getting you the championships, uh, could make you lose the week? <laughs> Give a, a big pack zero to third place. I think I think if you're if you're projected to lose, you play Slayton. If you're projected to win, you play Pascal. He's just I I'm gonna say Pascal is gonna score higher. I just know that he's the safer choice of the two. Well, I've got I've got Pascal higher in my rankings, but I agree with you. So ceiling, Slayton, floor, Pascal. And and based on based on what I think they'll do this week, especially if Engram plays, and I think he probably will if he's already practicing. It looks like he's on his uh, way I, to do so. I yeah. think I go Pascal okay. uh, against because they both have positive matchups. The Saints' pass defense has been good against quarterbacks overall, but not as good against wide receivers. Right. Okay. So, um, because it was very requested, we'll go back to that. on to tight ends so your first option that you give us here at tight end is going to be hunter henry of the sandy los angeles chargers it's going to be a long time to stop saying san diego isn't it, it is i <laughs> didn't do that one on purpose they are hosting minnesota that is the number four tight end that you have and then the number three tight the end london chargers is darren waller of <laughs> oakland and that one i'm going to screw up starting next year they're going to be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Hunter Henry has been seeing a lot of targets uh, between weeks 6 and 12 when he came back from injury and through his bye week. Um, so he was averaging more than 8 targets per game during that time, but over the last couple games he only has 7 targets total in the last two games. So he's not been a featured part of the offense. His snap percentage has dropped to a season low 60% last week. The Vikings are giving up the seventh fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends and have only yielded one double-digit game all year. Meanwhile, Darren Waller is the third uh, tight end. Um, he is third on the season at tight end for receptions, <coughs> second in yardage, and he only has three tight ends, and you know, making him the tight end four overall on the season. So I see him as a guy with a really good floor, and for a tight end, he gets a lot of volume. He has a much better catch percentage than Kelsey and Ertz, almost 10% higher than each of those guys. He's the top target on his team by a mile. He has double the receptions of the next highest player. Leads them in yardage as well. So you know that he's going to be in on the game script every week, as opposed to maybe Henry, who is like the fourth option on that offense right now. 
So the Jaguars are giving up the 11th most points to opposing tight ends. They gave up two touchdowns to tight ends just last week, to the Chargers no less. Um, so uh, here's hoping Waller can find the end zone for the first time since week eight. It is my turn to choose. I choose Darren Waller. Um, not just because I have him in a team in the semifinals, but because I see him as a guy <laughs> who is um, a focal point of his offense rather than Hunter Henry, who is a, a much more of a boomer bust. All right. Um, I would have to agree with you. It's definitely Waller for me, and I don't think this is a very difficult one either. Um, for me, here's the thing. So Waller at the beginning of the year was getting something like 30% of the Raiders' targets. Um, that changed when Hunter Renfro broke out. Uh, but Renfro has since gotten hurt. Uh, the number two tight end, Foster Moreau, has gone to injured reserve. Um, I mean, Waller is is going to probably have a 35% target share the rest of the way. He's not scoring a lot of touchdowns. Um, but if you look at it, Hunter Henry in the last four weeks has topped 40 yards one time. He's been getting by with getting in the end zone. And the Vikings have given up one touchdown to a tight end all year. Uh, not a great bet that Henry gets in the end zone. And if he doesn't, you have to go Waller. Henry's been great, but he does suffer from, from those exact things that Sean was saying. Uh, I agree with both of you guys about Waller. Um, I, I think that Waller is my guy as well. And it's, it's close though. Um, the reason it's close is no, because no, it's not. <laughs> it is, it is for me because, because sometimes Derek Carr has a horrible game and it's just a horrible quarterback. Sure. So, no, I, I like, can't disagree with that. It's like a third of the time he's a horrible quarterback, and like everything just gets thrown to the wall. But I, I do like Waller here, and for the reason, like you said, with Foster, with Hunter Renfro out, and now also with uh, with Williams, who was a great receiver at the beginning of the year, getting a touchdown every single game, now can't even get over 50, 60 yards in a game, not being targeted enough. There's nobody on that team catching passes except for Darren Waller. So you know Matter of fact, in this matchup, in this game, that as long as Waller is healthy and Carr is healthy, there's going to be at least eight targets, right? I, that's probably a safe assumption. Yeah, that's like his floor. So I love it. I, Waller has to be the guy. But Henry, for me, still goes up in the rankings. And again, the reason why that is is because he's, he's scoring touchdowns and because he's consistently scoring fantasy points. Uh, at a higher basis than than Waller is. That's the only reason. However, if I have to choose between them to start, this is one of those things where it's good to explain how rankings actually work. The ranking of a player is not necessarily who you should pick. I I think that Hunter Henry is ranked higher because I feel like he has a little bit more upside. Waller has more floor. If I had to choose between them, which I do in a league, I will choose Waller. All right, well... That's another unanimous uh, choice there. And I do believe it's fitting that Dave would pick the guy that he ranks higher. I think that that's what you should be doing. <laughs> so our other choice at tight end is going to be Jacob Hollister of the Seattle Seahawks hosting or going to Carolina. They are the He is the number 10 tight end. Then you got Ian Thomas of Carolina. I hope Hollister's Seattle. not like three little kids piled up in a in like a Jacob Hollister. He's a businessman, Dave. <laughs> he does business things. V- oh. Vincent Adultman? Is that, is, is Jacob that... Adultman. He's a businessman. <laughs> We're going to talk about business things. So Ian Thomas is the number 11 tight end. They're, he's playing Seattle. So, assuming the since assuming the starting role, Jacob Hollister has been in on about 80% of his team's offensive snaps. He's getting good volume for a tight end. 
Lately, he's been stifled. He hasn't found the end zone since week 10. His high yard mark, yardage mark of on the year is 62 yards, and he had eight receptions to go along with that. He has just 100 yards total in his last three games. The Seahawks' offense has been kind of hard to figure out. Tyler Lockett has disappeared. Suddenly, Rashad Penny surged out and then only to be removed for the season last week. So the Panthers are giving up the sixth fewest points to opposing tight ends and have held 10 different tight ends to under six points this year. So on the other side, Ian Thomas started last week for the injured Greg Olson. He had 10 targets. That's more than he's had all season up to that point, combined uh, all season up to that point. So we wound up with five catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. Good for the tight end three on the week in week 14. There's not a lot of tape on Thomas right now. He started six games last year. He finished the season last year with three out of four good games. He gets to face Seattle, who are giving up the third most points to opposing tight ends. They have given up a double-digit performance each of the last three weeks and seven such games on the season. So, Sean, you get our last uh, pick. Who do you like, Jacob Hollister or Ian Thomas? Uh, I mean, it's, it's got to be Thomas, right? I mean, I don't really see any way you go with Hollister here. Um, the pan the Panthers have no the Panthers have leaned on on the tight end position all year. Uh, whether it was Greg Olson or now Ian Thomas, I mean, like you said he had ten targets last week. Um, they definitely lean on that position. Whereas Seattle, their passing game is very sporadic. I mean, they definitely prefer to lean on the run, and we've seen over the last, especially over the last two months, is I mean, look at where Russell Wilson's been finishing as a fantasy quarterback. It's because they've leaned on the run game. This week, they've played the Panthers, who have literally the worst run defense in the league, according to Football Outsiders. Chris Carson is going to eat this week. They're not going to throw the ball a ton. Really, Hollister's only shot of finishing ahead of Thomas is by getting in the end zone once or twice, and uh, and Thomas not doing that, because the targets will certainly favor Thomas. I, I, that's the way I would go if I'm picking between the two. I think you're right. I think, uh, I think Chris Carson has a Happy Meal and a Pizza Hut buffet on the roster. Uh, it's going to be good for him. He's Are we talking a... about Kelvin Benjamin? We're talking about calories. <laughs> Chris Carson's got a lot of calories coming to him. He's going to eat a lot. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I actually I actually like Hollister. However, uh, Carolina's defense has limited tight ends to only 44 receptions, which is the fewest in the NFL, and uh, three touchdowns, which is tied for the third fewest in the NFL. Um, I have Hollister ranked highly. Again, that is really only because these rankings are not final. So if I'm justifying anything here, it's because Greg Olson might come back. He's actually practicing in a limited capacity. However, he has not cleared the concussion protocol. If Greg Olson does not clear the concussion protocol, I will agree with both of you uh, and go with Ian Thomas. But because you don't like me to be in the middle... You don't get the conditional pick. I I will pick Ian Thomas as well. Yeah, that's that's tough. If if Olsen plays, there's no way that Thomas outscores of course, Hollister. Of course. Because I mean, for some reason they decide to basically bump Thomas down to the tight end three on the team if Olsen plays. Well, and that's that's kind of like the backup based on the the situation, which I totally disagree with. Right. I think we all like Ian Thomas. Mm-hmm. And don't we all agree if Greg Olson wasn't around or if he retires next year, for example, Ian Thomas is going to be a top 10 tight end. He's, he's flashing and he's looking great. I agree. And I have to pick Thomas as well, just because I want to be right here. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's I don't strange. want to pick Hollister just to be contrarian, but I don't see Hollister doing a lot lately. Well, it's one of those things we think about. Is, is Carolina really good against tight ends because they're good against tight ends, or is it because they're bad against of, other things? And people just do other things. Yeah. So this, uh, okay, so we, we have three unanimous, and I would say that this is the one that's most likely to go the other way. 
Yeah, I, I and not because of Olsen coming back, but because all it's going to take is like a touchdown, three for seventeen yards and two touchdowns from Hollister, and Russell Wilson is you know totally likely to you know capable of doing that. Sure, but I I don't see I don't see it happening. I like right? Ian Thomas yeah. for volume of uh, passes. Yeah. Well, I I thought those were pretty good though. If anybody in the chat room has different opinions, please let us know. Uh, we will write them down because we are keeping track of of our guesses. If you want to pick and um, and and if you do better than us, maybe we'll shout you out on Twitter. Of course we will. What is this maybe bullshit? I don't know. I don't want to commit <laughs> to that, Dave. Well, I'm I'm the guy tweeting, so I'm happy to shout right, you out. I'm if not you're gonna right. I'm not gonna speak for you. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Sean, for joining us on the broadcast. You can check out Sean on Twitter. His uh, his username is Sean underscore Foss, right? Yeah. Very, very straightforward. Very simple. Always happy to be here. Thanks for having me, as I said earlier. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our next segment. This is, this is what you have me here for. Let's talk rookies. Here we go, Sean. Are you ready? As ready as I'm going to be. So, these are the top 10 fantasy football rookies in 2019. Sean Foss, our rookie expert, he's going to give us a rundown of these guys. What I'm going to do is uh, give you their stat lines for the year, and um, uh, I'll also let you know who they're going to be playing coming up. You let me know what you think of them, what you think they're going to be getting up to coming up here. Um, let's keep it to about a minute each so that uh, we can rapid fire because we have a laundry list of injuries to go through. So, Kyler Murray, a guy that we talked about earlier, has 252 points on the year. He is the QB 7 overall. He was drafted as the QB 13 and overall at 108. So he has uh, outperformed his station uh, at the beginning of the year. He has 3,060 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 9 picks, 448 rushing yards, and 4 touchdowns. Not fumbled the ball this year. Very nice for a rookie, because we will see one of the rookies later has a problem with that. I mean, I wouldn't say he hasn't he hasn't lost a fumble. Okay, right. No fumbles lost. And that's what's important, in my opinion. Some of that's fluky, though. It's all fluky, but <laughs> let's just, you know, it hasn't hurt him in fantasy football. So what do you think about Kyler? Upcoming, he's playing Cleveland and then going to Seattle. So with, with Kyler, I think you're going to get more of the same from what we've seen from him. He's been... he's. Pretty much since about a month into the season, he's been using his legs, which has certainly raised his fantasy floor. Um, and we've seen him throw multiple touchdown passes, or at least be responsible for multiple touchdowns, more weeks than not over the last month and a half or so. But the yardage hasn't quite been there. Um, I feel like some of that's Cliff Kingsbury adjusting to the NFL game. I mean, he came out early in the year and said, we're going to line up four wide and we're going to throw it on you all day. And I think they've learned a little bit kind of what adjustments they need to make to kind of be better uh, for the NFL game. And I think it's it's worked out overall for the team. I think their offense has hummed a little more uh, certain weeks in the last month and a half. But it's not necessarily a boon for, for Kyler's fantasy outlook. Um, I think as far as the rest of this season, you'll see him continue to do what he's been doing, which is probably ballpark of 200 yards and two touchdowns through the air, maybe 30 to 40 rushing yards a week. Um 
you know, nothing that's going to make him, you know, set the world on fire, but nothing that's going to make him kill you if you have to start him. Okay. Um, and I would say, I mean, this is he's the type of player who could make a big leap next year or in the next two years, though. Okay. Uh, my favorite rookie from the year, Gardner Minshew the second. He has 176 points on the year, 2,594 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 274 rushing yards. He has lost 7 fumbles. Like you said, they're a bit fluky. I'm going to go ahead and be an apologist for my guy here. So week 15, he goes to Oakland, and week 16, he goes to Atlanta. So Minshew only started 9 games this year. He relieved an ineffective Nick Foles in 2 other games. Well, I shouldn't say in 2. He relieved him in 1. He took over for an injured Foles in the other. Um, so he's only played 11 out of the 13 games where the other guys have played more. So I do think that, um, on a per game average, he's looking a little bit better than, uh, his station right here. So what do you think about Gardner? He was a sixth round pick, right? Yeah, I believe, I believe it was sixth. Um, I mean, he, I think there was a lot of hesitation to draft a guy like Minshew because, Number one, he's a little undersized. He's about Drew Brees' size, which Brees is one of the rare guys. I wouldn't who, want my quarterback to be like Drew Brees at well, all. I mean, you would. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You but, but physical, you know, the prototype at the quarterback position is not Drew Brees. Right. Uh, and he, so he's a little undersized. He just played, like Kyler Murray. <laughs> he played in an offense at Washington State that was that air raid where you're basically just trying to be a point guard and spread the ball around to the guy who's in the open space. And people basically treat it like, well, it's quick reads, get the ball out to the open guy in short yardage and let him do something in the open field. So people were unsure that, you know, his his arm strength, that his size was going to work in the NFL. And he's clearly proven that he can step in and play in the NFL. He's got kind of a swagger that you need at the position. He really does. Um, he has the most swagger on this list. You're talking I, about his mustache guy? <laughs> That's, I just, his that, mustache has more swagger the mus- than anyone else. The mustache is a big part of it, but just the way he carries himself. But like, the, can the just sense shiny, the open like 70s rock star shirt from the Houston game early in the year. He's like if Kyle that's Orton was actually decent at quarterback. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> he's a better uh, Kyle Orton. That's, that's a, a good better, one. That's he's a, a better good, Kyle Orton. Uh, that's, that's the best thing I've heard, I think, in the past three months talking about Gardner. Love it. Uh, the, no, the exciting thing, though, for him is he's got weapons that are young. I mean, you look at Conley is not real old. Chark is in his, what, his second year in the league. Day-Day Westbrook's in his second or third year, so he's got weapons around him. Fournette has proven to be a good running back. They've got the offensive pieces in place to build around, um, and I think the continuity is going to make him even better going forward. He's shown he can be a solid quarterback. I don't know that he's ever a guy you're going to look at and say this is a top-five NFL fantasy quarterback, but I think he's going to consistently be a guy you can take in the later rounds as your QB1 and and be fine with him for years to come. And, and he's got three great matchups in a row to close the season. I think he's in a spot where he can be a nice streamer down the stretch here. So do you see him as being the starter next year? Yes. I mean, you don't bench Foles and go back to him unless you plan on Minshew being the guy next year, in my guy. opinion. Okay. So Daniel Jones, 176 points in the year, 2,374 passing yards, 18 touchdowns. Here's where he runs into some trouble. 11 picks and 10 fumbles lost. So he has 21 turnovers in the 10 games that he started this year. Um, he may or may not be done for the year, as we discussed earlier. Um, so I, I see Daniel Jones uh, in the running for the Jameis Winston Award. It looks like to me, by the way, uh, that Daniel Jones is going to come back next week. Week 16, then? Yeah. Okay. I, I, uh, I know the Giants are are uh, not exactly um, hoping so for the I, playoffs. So when I wrote this up earlier in the day, <laughs> I was under the impression that he was done for the year. 
I did not put his matchups up. I don't remember who the Giants are playing. Well, he's already well, they're, they're playing, they're Miami. playing Miami this Miami. week. Yeah, he's already practicing. But he won't be playing against Miami. If there's anybody that you're going to start in fantasy uh, uh, from the Giants as, at quarterback, it's going to be, be Eli. Manning. It's going to be Eli versus the Dolphins this week. Sure. I mean, you're not considering. My opponent currently has Eli in. I'm kind of excited about that. You're not. You're not considering the Giants' quarterback outside of a two quarterback league, even though they've got three plus matchups to close the year with Miami, the Redskins, and the Eagles. Um, but with Jones, I mean, he's clearly. I mean, they're planning to build around him next year, right? He's going to be the starter in 2020. Um, there's no intention for them to look for somebody else at this point, and he's got weapons. I mean, now with Slayton breaking out, he's going to have Engram. He's going to have Slayton. Uh, he's going to have Sterling Shepard, and I don't think Golden Tate's a free agent, right? I think he just signed with them last – or no, he got traded, right? He got tra- – Traded to Philly, then signed with the Giants, right? That sounds right. And not, I'll get you the and, contact. And not a one-year deal. I think I think Tate is there. There's a four-year deal he signed on March 14th. So those weapons are all going to be in place next year. Saquon, obviously, is the, is the long-term guy at running back. So they've got the pieces to build around, but – Jones has shown some of the issues that everyone kind of dinged him for in the scouting period after the Giants took him. The reasons people said he shouldn't have been drafted where he was. You mean 10 fumbles? And 11 picks. 20, 21 turnovers <laughs> he in He can't 10 keep games. the ball. He can't keep the ball. It's horrible. I mean, that sure, but you also, how many fumbles did Lamar Jackson lose last year and how many has he lost this year? That's a fixable. It's something you can work on and be better at. Um, he's going to have to clean up the turnovers or else he could be short-lived as the quarterback there. It might be next year, and and then if the, the issues continue, it might not go much beyond that. Yeah, I mean, how many guys are there that, that uh, look like Eli Manning? <laughs> exactly like Eli Manning? There's only a couple. There's so. a, and, and not even his brother. <laughs> sure, but he, he could be the type of quarterback that flashes the way Mitch Trubisky did and then regresses. Uh, just because, I mean... There, there are flaws to the game that that could be found out later on, which the turnovers have kind of shown us. So naturally, uh, quarterbacks are going to land atop of this list, but we'll move on from them. You've got Josh Jacobs, who has 160 points on the year right now. Uh, he broke the 1,000-yard mark last game that he played in Week 13, 1,061 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt. He has seven rushing touchdowns. He's added 18 catches for 146 yards. Uh, week 15, he's playing Jacksonville. Week 16, he's going to play the Los Angeles Chargers. The uh, So Jacobs is, in my opinion, the Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate, as long as Kyler Murray doesn't figure out how to win these last three games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, I he, mean... if Kyler wins three games in a row and, and he plays well, I assume that he'll wind up being Offensive Rookie of the Year because he, among quarterbacks, he is playing well. But yeah, yeah, he's, he's, Josh he's Jacobs, been a good quarterback. Yeah. Josh Jacobs looks really good, and if he can have a strong finish, he definitely deserves it. Jacobs has been as good as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear I your mean, take I, on it. I honestly think, as far as offensive rookie of the year, I see three three players, one at each major position: Kyler, Jacobs, and DK Metcalf are the three guys I think kind of stand out to me the most as the the guys who've been the best at the rookie positions. Um, the thing with uh, Jacobs is far and away the best rookie running back. I don't think there's a close second. Uh, and it's funny because he had such limited college production uh, that people really kind of hesitated when they thought about him as a first-round pick and the Raiders jumped in. And he landed in a spot that is willing to commit to the run, which has been a huge thing for him. The only real thing as far as looking at him, the only thing holding him back, I should say, from being a top, I don't know, top eight fantasy running back is the Raiders being willing to use him in the passing game. And if that happens, he goes from being a top 
12 top 15 running back to a top eight or better guy because the skill is there. Um, and again, the commitment to the run is there with John Gruden around. Um, I think it's something that if there's any rookie running back, I want it's him. Sure. I'm really happy with my first overall pick in the dynasty league this year. I gotta say, I'm very bummed that I had fourth and didn't, wasn't able to take Jacobs. All right, guys. So in a distant second, (laughs) not a close second, but a distant second, you've got David Montgomery who has 117 points on the year, 680 rushing yards, only 3.5 yards per attempt. Five touchdowns. He's added 23 catches for 173. Another touchdown there. Week 15, they're going to Green Bay. Week 16, the Bears host Kansas City. So Montgomery isn't quite a bust because he was drafted at 18. Uh, I'm sorry, he is the RB18. He was drafted as the RB21. So you can't really be disappointed in what you've got. You've gotten what you thought you were going to get. Or you got what you paid for. Anyways. But uh, his team is certainly a bust. And that is an issue for him. That's certainly keeping him uh, at a very low ceiling, in my opinion. Right, if if the Bears were a better team like they were last year and they were playing from a position of power in games where they had the lead, Montgomery would have had a much better year. But uh, but how do you think he did this year? I, mean, I think he acquitted himself well. I, think, I don't think that his issue was that they were trailing in a lot of games. There were only a couple games that, that really hurt him. Maybe the one against the Saints where they were down three touchdowns for a lot of the game. Um, but for the most part, he struggled early in games where they just went away from the run, where Matt Nagy just kind of thought he was smarter than the opposing coaching staff and decided we're going to throw the ball a bunch. Uh, and, and that Saints game kind of factors into that. I think they ran the ball once or twice the entire first half, uh, and that's a problem. You have to be able be willing to run every now and then. And basically ever since that game, I think after the game, the quote was Matt Nagy saying to the media, I'm not an idiot. I know we need to run more. Yep. And since then, Montgomery's had 15 touches every week. Well, it's funny. I was at the uh, the Bears-Chargers game. Uh, when after... he, his best game of the year. Yeah, I saw David yeah. Montgomery just run all over the field. And that's when they were they were actually giving him the ball. They were actually uh, designing plays and, and putting him out there for him. So we know that he can do it. Yeah, I think... It's just not happening. I think the issue that you'll see... I mean, if you really want to start nitpicking Montgomery's game himself... His issue is he'll dance a little bit too much and maybe be too... He wants to be Le'Veon Bell out too there. Too hesitant to Everyone's take contact. Everyone's seen that work so well. <laughs> I mean, he, he was a guy who in college was setting pro football focus records for uh, missed tackles by defenders on him. Um, but some of that is almost to a detriment where he's dodging tackles too often and not just getting the yards that are there. Sure. He dodged um, four tackles and gained three yards. Exactly. He needs He needs to get himself a little bit more north and south more consistently. But at the same time, the Bears' O line has been banged up, and right, he's still right. been overall fairly productive. And what? I think I think his future is good, and I think the Bears should be using him more in the passing game as well. I know Tariq Cohen is kind of the better fit for that, but Montgomery can catch passes and run great routes also. Well, you can't play act uh, to be Le'Veon Bell against. Sure. And, uh, and also, behind the Steelers' offensive line if you don't have the Steelers' offensive line. And also, he's got two very nice matchups in the next two weeks against Green Bay and Kansas City. They're both likely to win, but they both have very bad run defenses. Yes. So maybe the hottest rookie last week for sure, A.J. Brown, 115 points in the year, 39 catches for 779 yards, 20 yards per reception, six touchdowns on the year. Week 15, he's going to be hosting Houston. Week 16, hosting New Orleans. So 60% of his fantasy points have come in just three games, though I think he's definitely enjoying having Tannehill uh, at the helm of this team. What do you think, Sean? A.J. Brown. I I love A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown's going to be very good for a very long time. Um, And I don't think he's only a deep ball guy. I don't think he's only a guy who's going to burn you down the field. 
Um, the last two weeks, by the way, are the first two times all season that he's played more snaps than a healthy Corey Davis. People said he was the best receiver out of the draft in general, except the fact that he went to the Titans, dropped him way down in fantasy drafts. Which is which is kind of funny because... Nobody expects Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you say, actually, you say that, but Hollywood Brown also went after him in a lot of rookie drafts. And Hollywood Brown was considered one of the one or one, two, three best receivers. I'm just as touching well. on how how it's funny how regardless of talent, your landing spot has more to do with it uh, a lot of times than where people place you in fantasy drafts. Sure. Well, the thing is, since Tannehill's taken over, he's seen more targets. He's seen better production. I mean, more consistent production. He had a couple big games with Mariota as well. Um, but the thing with AJ Brown, he just he's clearly the best receiver on the Titans. There's going to be a little bit of inconsistency because they still want to be a run-first team with Derrick Henry. But the splash plays are there. The kid is going to be very good for a very long time on that team. Um, and, again, him overtaking Corey Davis for the wide receiver one spot is huge. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, Miles Sanders is the next wide receiver up. 112. He is He's not a, running a wide receiver, I'm sorry. David. Stop it. Running back up on the list. 112.8. Points, 565 rush yards, a rush touchdown, uh, 4.3 yards per attempt, 36 receptions for 383 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. And Jason, uh, his matchups in Week 15 and Week 16, uh, they don't look too bad, right? Uh, yeah, I like it. He, they're going to Washington and they host Dallas. Um, it looks like the he's the back that the Eagles would have wanted. Um, for Doug Peterson's type of offense, I think that that's the kind of guy they want. They don't want necessarily a Jordan Howard. Um, so how do you like how Miles Sanders fits on the Eagles? Um, man, if you could give Miles Sanders Devin Singletary's vision, he'd be unstoppable. <laughs> so you, you, you <laughs> he scored that touchdown at the end of the game last night. Well, yeah. Speak, speaking of that, yeah, the touchdown you're talking about. So he's running behind a blocker who's blocking the only guy in his path. All he has to do, if he goes to the outside, is a touchdown. If he goes to the inside, he gets close. Instead, he runs up the blocker's back. Yeah. What do you? It, it, it doesn't. He doesn't see the field the way he needs Thanks to. Thanks for ruining my fantasy playoffs. Mark. Sure. Well, you're over there, genetic engineering <laughs> football players. So I mean. <laughs> well, he doesn't. <laughs> the island of Dr. Moreau. He has in, in, insane athleticism, but he doesn't see the field the way that he needs to. Uh, He's going to continue to get utilized. I feel like that's something that you can get better at. But now there's concern. If, even if Jordan Howard doesn't come back, that he's splitting carries with Boston Scott and splitting touches with Scott over the next two weeks. And it's very hard to trust him in fantasy playoffs without knowing he's going to keep getting the 80% snap share he was getting with Howard out. I think your analysis is spot on, but I'm still thinking about Bel- Bill Belichick with test tubes somewhere in a back room in New England <laughs> trying to manufacture running backs. <laughs> so Darius Slayton, 108 points we'll call it on the year 42 catches for 659 yards seven touchdowns 15.7 yards per catch week 15 they're hosting miami and then they go to washington so we did talk about slayton a little bit earlier um but in a down year for the position he is the wr 26 on the year in a you know year when he was not drafted there are no adp numbers for darius slayton I, I uh, uh, also heard a stat earlier today on a radio broadcast or something about Slayton as far as how he's done over the past six weeks, and I'm pretty sure he was like the WR6 or something like that in PPR, <laughs> which is just crazy. So he's clearly been letting it on fire in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, what what a revelation this kid has been. Like, I mean, he... Fifth rounder, right? Was he even... I think so. Where I do mean, you go to school, Sean? 
Uh, no, 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 no I, cheating. I, I, I have to cheat because I don't know what Auburn. No, Auburn, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, Auburn. God damn it. I had no. I said it before I looked. I had to double check, but it's Auburn. I thought for sure we had stumped you. The, what's, One what's, of these days. What's really funny is is the um the receiver who had gotten more mention before before no mention. Oh yeah, gotcha. Had been talked he about more went. before rookie drafts was uh Reggie White Jr., who's kind of a big body mm. box out in the red zone kind of receiver from Monmouth, who the Giants got as an undrafted free agent. Right. People talked about him as more of an upside guy necessarily than Slayton. Because Slate, I mean, you looked at the guys they had, and, and Reggie White Jr. was a different body type, a different player than Golden Tate, than Sterling Shepard, than what they already had. And Slayton has just been a revelation. This guy has been incredible yeah. over the last month and a half, two months. And and it seemed like maybe it was a connection with Daniel Jones. And then Eli comes in, and he has his best game of the year. Clearly, um, um, not, not the connection. That's not what it's about. Sure. I mean, he's... <laughs> He's he's been fantastic, and I mean again, you you probably if you're in a dynasty league got him off the waiver wire. Jason, you're welcome. I dropped him. Jason picked him up the next week I'll before he broke out. I'll um, take him. <laughs> <laughs> he probably cost me the number one overall pick by winning me a game I didn't quite want to win, but you know I'll be happy with having him next let, year. Let somebody else draft. Uh, I don't even know who would be the number one quarterback next year. Probably Burrow or Tua. Burrow or Tua. Um, but probably not Justin Herbert. Sure, no, you don't want you don't want Herbert. Um. <laughs> well, it all depends on where these guys go. Like Dave says, wherever you land is going to have a lot to do with how people judge you in fantasy football. There are yes, at running back and receiver especially. We can talk about this in another podcast. But, sure, but definitely if you do the if you do the the dynasty draft before the rookie draft, that adds all kinds of layers of flavor to it, right? Oh, that'd be uh, amazing. We've only done it amazingly terrible. We've only done it afterwards. Then you know where they're landing, so you kind of have an idea: Are they going to play right away? Is there a chance? that they'll be there this year um but we know from the past couple years just looking at what happens that rookie quarterbacks even if they say i'm gonna let them sit there for a while they always play they always depends how early they're drafted they always play if they're early drafts because because those coaches and those uh gms they already know they are not happy with the current situation. Sure. They always play that. The, the Minshews who are drafted in the sixth round, though, are the exception rather yeah. than the rule. Yeah, those are the guys. Absolutely. Yeah, they so, played Candyland and they won. Like, it's, it's <laughs> random. So we've got Devin Singletary, who uh, we haven't featured at all tonight, but his name has come up many times, which is a good sign for him. So Devin Singletary, the truth, has 107 points in the year, 642 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, 5.6 yards per attempt. Highlight that. That is a very nice stat to see from him. I'll highlight it. 26 catches, 190 <laughs> yards, two touchdowns. Week 15, they go to Pittsburgh. Week 16, they go to New Orleans. That is a shitty schedule. So he's only played in 10 games this year. His rookie counterparts have shown up in pretty much 13. He's only started six of them. But as Dave mentioned earlier, he has finally supplanted Frank Gore, something that people have been trying to do for decades. Decades, people. Literal, more than one decade. Plural, decades. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, finally supplanted Frank Gore, but he played 70% of the snaps in week one before he Singletary. injured his hamstring. They Frank wanted Gore was Singletary. hurt in week one, I think. No, Singletary got hurt late in that game and missed the next couple weeks. They wanted him from the beginning as the starter. They did. And and it's funny because I, I they very... They had to make sure he was going to get the quarterback killed. <laughs> I, was, I was very much off base on Singletary coming into the year. I thought his athleticism was not at a high enough level. I wish I had pulled up a clip from uh, from the show that we were doing before 
this season. Uh, right oh. after the draft, yeah. Oh, and I must have, I probably ripped Singletary and said he's not a good enough athlete. You're to like, play Singletary is not going to play this year. And okay. I was, I was, <laughs> let's, very... let's play that tape. You got that tape? Yeah, I'll we get don't, that. we don't. Let's not talk about the past, gentlemen. No. Okay. Yeah, moving was, forward, moving forward. I was very wrong. Um, <laughs> he has shown that he's got, I mean, again, he's bad athleticism for the running back position. He's still a much better athlete than anyone at this table. Um, <laughs> That's true. But 100%. but again, he's proven he's that he's... got better he's, vision than four eyes over here. He's got enough <laughs> athleticism to play at this level, and he's shown that he can be productive when he gets the opportunity. You mentioned he finally supplanted Gore, but he's played two-thirds of the offensive snaps now for seven weeks running. Or better, two-thirds or more for seven weeks for in seven a row. Weeks, yeah. He's been the guy for all that time. Uh, he's, they use him as a receiver, which is a huge boost to fantasy production. Even if you're not in PPR, the receiving yards help. Um, I mean, he's a guy you absolutely want. In fact, of the four big-name rookie running backs, I would say he's number two behind Jacobs. Okay, so Terry McLaurin uh, rounding out our top ten in fantasy at 106 points. He has 46 catches, 73 or 703 receiving yards, six touchdowns, 15 yards per catch. Week 15, he plays Philly. Week 16, he plays the Giants. Scary Terry started the season on fire. He had three touchdowns in a row and five touchdowns Scary in his first five Terry. games. That's right, bitch. He's he's <laughs> F1. Let's let's come on. Let's... Unfortunately for Terry McLaurin, he doesn't get to have Case Keenum as his quarterback, which is where he was doing really well. Is that uh, really that unfortunate? I mean, apparently it was for a few he had games. Five case... touchdowns with Keenum and one touchdown. Look, look, Keenum was never with Keenum. Keenum was never going to be the guy. But I mm. think what you're what you're getting at is is the rookie Haskins behind a horrible O line, behind a team with that has no uh, uh, real weapons beyond McLaurin. What are you going to do? You know, like uh, they're they're really well, the struggling. Redskins are terrible. They're really struggling. Absolutely. But next year, if they get some more pieces in there, McLaurin is. Is obviously a, I think a WR two going forward. I I would agree. I think I, I love what McLaurin brings to the table. What's amazing right now is that the Redskins are starting three rookie wide receivers in three wide receiver sets. Yeah, we should be happy that they're even scoring points. <laughs> they're literally starting. So it's it's literally uh, McLaurin, Kelvin Har- Harmon, and then I believe it's uh, what's the Kansas guy, C- Stephen Sims? Is that? Yes, yeah, Sims. And oh, Sims yeah, got Sims. a ton of passes last mm-hmm. week. It was always thrown to Sims. Sims has had some exciting touchdowns this year. So I do want to give honorable mentions to a guy you mentioned earlier, DK Metcalf, a guy we talked about earlier, Debo Samuel, both of whom are playing very well as rookies. I think they wound up being like 11 and 12 on the list. DK. But they got going much later in the season, which is why they weren't able to uh, accumulate the numbers uh, of the top Well, 10. I'm sure that Sean will do some kind of a rookie oh, sure. wrap-up uh, uh, next week or the week after. Sure. And uh, look and, for that on drink And don't forget uh, Hollywood Brown, who's had some blow-up games, too. Sure, Ooh. he just, you know, he's 13 at best. He's... And we only have so much time tonight. He kinda, <laughs> Fair he, enough. He started too early. All right. <laughs> So Dave, I heard that one or two guys got hurt last week. No. What's up with that? Everyone is in full health right now. There's no problems. As, as always happens in week 15 of the NFL. 
So as we told... Is, is Matt Patricia on crutches again? <laughs> yeah, the real problem is Sean Payton aggravated his leg injury from a couple like years a ago. Yeah. No, no, seriously though, uh, Week 15's injury impact is, is pretty serious. And uh, look for this column up uh, tomorrow at some point on drink5.com. But right now, we'll talk about it. And we don't have much time left on the podcast, so I'm going to try to go a little bit more quickly than I normally do. So... Pardon me, guys, if I forget to breathe, but uh, we're talking about quarterbacks here. Patrick Mahomes with a hand injury. It looks like a bone bruise. That was the official diagnosis uh, from his injury during the game against the Patriots. And he played every offensive snap after that bruise, so it didn't seem like he was too far gone because of the injury. However, as most of us know, when there's a, a contusion of the bone, especially in the hand, it, it tends to swell up afterwards, not immediately upon contact. And so the problem with him now is that he still has not uh, uh, been very uh, uh, active in throwing the football. However, uh, it looks like he is uh, he is uh, logging a full practice as far as today on Wednesday, even though he hadn't thrown before that. And so things are looking up for his health. But they'll be going up against a Broncos defense that's right up there with the Chargers, allowing only 15 fantasy points per game and 15 passing touchdowns on the year. That's three less than Los Angeles's 18 which they previously went up against. I think Mahomes, unfortunately, is kind of trending down a little bit uh, as far as where he was uh, earlier in the season. And playing the tr- the Broncos this coming week is not a is not a great thing for him. But it's difficult for me to say that you shouldn't play Mahomes, for example. Yeah. I well, just the it, second you say that he's going to throw for three seventy with four touchdowns. Look, I mean, I personally think that he's going to get between 16 and 20 fantasy points in this game, regardless of if they win or not, because that's what he's been doing. He has a hand injury. He's going to reach his normally high floor. I think he'll be a floor player. So if you have someone like, for example, Jason has a league he was just talking to me earlier about where he has Mahomes and Breeze, I would play Breeze. Let's get your opinions real quick. I think I'm going to have to start Breeze as well. This league is all about as many points you can score. Sean? Um... It's yeah, it's hard to say, yeah, play Mahomes over Breeze, but if if you're talking about anyone outside of the top 5 quarterbacks in the league or Mahomes, I'd probably lean Mahomes. He's going to play until that team is eliminated from getting a bye. Oh yeah, and and his floor is not small. It's not like he's scoring uh 10, 11, 12 point games. Uh, but his floor is still 16, 15, 16 points. Yeah. Um at least it's it's high enough where it's not going to lose you the game, right? Uh, Lamar Jackson with a quad injury somewhere during the 24 to 17 win over Buffalo last Sunday. Jackson suffered a quad injury, and he's been day to day. The last thing Lamar Jackson needs is a soft tissue injury uh, because he's a rushing quarterback. He's a guy that needs to be that that dual threat, and a lot of his comp- competency depends on a, a threat to rush out of the pocket, just like I described. Short week for the Ravens, playing on Thursday. He's only practiced in a limited fashion. He hasn't had a full go yet. We assume that Lamar Jackson is great and good to go because he says he is. It's a pretty safe assumption that he's great. Well. This year. When we're, when we're playing the games that are in the semifinals in the championship, I, I like to see and look at this. I personally, like I, I mentioned earlier, I kind of like Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, those guys, to put a little bit more of the workload on the running back squad. Because I feel like he still is not 100%. They always say they're 100%. What guy is not going to say they're 100%? <laughs> I think Lamar Jackson is not 100% right now. So if they're going to win that game, 
uh, easily without any competition, why would Lamar Jackson rush on all the plays that he normally would? I think nobody is 100% when they play on Thursday. <laughs> uh, Jameis Winston with a hand injury. He actually visited a hand specialist on Monday to look at a hairline fracture in his right thumb. Limited in practice on Wednesday. Expected to start against the Lions this week. A fantasy matchup on paper looks great. The Lions have allowed over 20 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks and 26 touchdowns through the air. That's the sixth most in the NFL. So, are you planning on starting Winston? If you have him as your number one, abso fucking lootly, right? Um, yeah. I mean, he's... Against the Lions, you have to. Look, Winston I... is not a good football quarterback, but as far as fantasy is concerned versus a, a, such a bad passing defense, I, I think you would be remiss if you didn't start him. I I honestly think he has a down game this week. I look I'm at this come like, out and say it. All right, explain it. So so here's he's the, my number six quarterback this a, week. A, so explain to me why it would be a down a, week. A big part of why he's been so deadly is you have two uncoverable guys on the outside, right? Well, you're saying Evans and Godwin with with Evans out, then what's going to happen with, with Evan, the receivers? With Evans out, Darius Slay, who's one of the better cover corners in the league, is going to stay on Godwin. And the other guys, you're also missing your starting slot receiver, Scotty Miller, uh, potentially. Yeah, but Rashad Perriman's been playing very well. So you're wor- eh, well against a bad pass defense in Indy. Obviously, the Lions are not a good pass defense. He'll still move the ball. But if you're, I mean, and and look, if you're considering Winston versus Daniel Jones, start Winston by all means. But if you're considering Winston versus a guy who's a potential top ten quarterback, start the other top ten quarterback. That's, <laughs> I mean, Winston is. Honestly, it's funny because the jo- the running joke I've heard in some of the daily fantasy circles is the best stack you can have is Winston at quarterback and the defense that's against him. <laughs> I, re- I really don't disagree with you. I, I have him as number six. That's uh, what I feel is middle to upside. But I agree that um, if you have another top ten guy, that that guy is probably going to be more consistent what I would expect from Jameis Winston on this particular matchup against the Lions is something like like three touchdowns and three interceptions. You know, uh, I, I, I don't know who the touchdowns are going to go to. Uh, I would actually uh, uh, posit that O.J. Howard will get a really good game, which I'll touch on a little bit later, uh, perhaps. But I, I, O.J. Howard has been good over the past couple weeks. And with guys like Evans going out and other issues, like you said, with the slot receiver, they're really going to look to their uh, tight end and, and their backfield to, to have a lot of those, uh, those, those little passes. But we have to, uh, to move on to Tom Brady with an elbow injury. Interesting things about Tom Brady. He's been limited in practice on Wednesday almost every single day this year. And that's because he's old, right? Almost every single day this decade, probably. <laughs> But well, did, wasn't he on the injury report for like a decade with a knee issue that was never a real knee issue? Probably. And back when everyone could be probable. Just yeah. like the Patriots were filming the Bengals uh, bench, but it has nothing to do with anything, right? We weren't going to use that tape. No, it's fine. It's like it's like Christian Yelich <laughs> saying like anyone needs help against you. Like that's no. what the, the Pats are saying about the Bengals. What? Who was the gentleman uh, uh, after the game on Monday Night Football? He brought it up. Did you Did you see that? He's like, I just have to say. Do the Patriots really need help against the Bengals? Look, <laughs> looking at the Patriots over the past couple games, I would say yes. 
they need help against anybody right now because they're aren't not. There, a, aren't their last two opponents the Ravens and the Chiefs though? The Texans. But Texans and the Chiefs. Yeah, the Texans. Texans that, the that makes it worse because the Texans are not as good as the. They're Ravens. not doing very well right now. So let's let's. The look Texans are a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde though. Some games they look great and some games they don't. They did have Will Fuller when they played the Pats. They let's, didn't have him this week. Let's look at the Patriots this week. Uh, who uh, the Tom Brady, who I'm going to nickname Elbow, um, because he has. He has bursitis, basically. That's not confirmed. But uh, the helmet to the elbow that occurred during the Kansas City game appeared to be some kind of bursa injury, swelling to the fluid-filled sac in the elbow joint. So I believe that's on his throwing uh, shoulder, throwing elbow. According to Dr. Jessica Flynn, who's a sports medicine doctor in the Boston area that's commented on the play, uh, he had a large wrap uh, during a press conference on Monday, meaning to compress the area and prevent further swelling. I have had this before with bursitis, with the, the bursitis sac elbow? swelling. I will tell you this. Difficult to, to bend the elbow. Uh, also, pain uh, when it's when anything around around that elbow. And if it was if it was uh, brought down into the ground, for example, if the bursa sac and the fluid was to burst, that would take him out of the game. So, don't play Tom Brady, and and Tom Brady hasn't been a startable quarterback in regular redraft one quarterback leagues. However, uh, absolutely avoided as a start in fantasy this week, even in super flex leagues. He's my number ten, number nineteen quarterback in week fourteen, uh, sorry fifteen. But I do not think that Tom Brady is going to be startable going forward because of this injury and his history. And I don't think the Patriots are going to be the team that everyone thinks they are this year. I think this is the end of them. All right. Do you need to come up for air, Dave? Um, I just want to – I'll add, I think you can get away with him as a QB2 this week in a super flex league. I, I mean, the Bengals are, The Bengals are terrible. Crazy. And I also think it's it's not impossible. That's what I thought with Baker Mayfield. It's, I knew it. You're a Tom Brady fan. It's not impossible that the Pats are playing a little this bit, are, are playing a little bit of vanilla offense, playing the teams they expect to play in January. Okay. Against, the teams that, the Chiefs, that they've sense. lost three games. They've lost them to Baltimore, Houston, and Kansas City, all teams that are likely to make the playoffs. It's so not Bill crazy Belichick that they're strategically losing games. It's not crazy that they're playing right now. As long as they don't lose another game. And they play Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Miami. Two of those are almost automatic wins. No, they're, they're gonna, still going to get a bye. They're going to be in the playoffs and might get a bye. I'm just saying Tom Brady is not doing well. Like the worst he's ever done in like the past five, six, seven years. Sure, but they but even late last year they got creative in finding ways to win and they ran. There was run heavy. You know what I mean? I do. guys lightning round i had a lot more Which one in- of these guys was struck by lightning i had a lot more injuries but what i want to go over are the guys that are out for the rest of the season now unfortunately and just talk about the possibilities of the people that are beneath them in the the uh the depth chart or around them i shouldn't say beneath them 
<laughs> let's talk about Calvin Ridley. Abdominal, he's out. Russell Gage should continue to get work on Atlanta. Is fantasy viable as a wide receiver three flex play going forward? We're looking at Austin Hooper, who has come back. Julio Jones, who should continue to be, of course, a great wide receiver. But without Calvin Ridley there, Russell Gage, who has previously been a, a WR3 um, on that team, should do pretty well if you need to have him uh, line up in your league. If you're in deep leagues, etc., Gage should be good. You guys' opinions? Um, I think I agree Gage is going to see a little bit more work, but I think uh, an extra name that becomes relevant is Olamide Zacchaeus. That's true. Uh, rookie from Virginia who's – I mean, he's a small guy, like 5'8", but uh, think of him like another Taylor Gabriel kind of type of guy in that offense. He's short, he's small, fast – Scored a 93-yard touchdown last week. Something to keep in mind. His very as, uh, first catch in the NFL. He's yeah. like, yeah, just a 93-yard touchdown. Year. Not a problem. I just... think that Austin Hooper's <laughs> targets are going to uh, go back to what they were. And it's, you can see a lot of Hooper and Jones here. So you don't you don't have any issues with Austin Hooper last week not doing as well, uh, coming in off being injured for it's, a couple of weeks? Most game. guys, yeah, most guys are rusty coming back. It's his first game off injury. Yeah. I'm not going to read too deep into it. Marvin Jones, ankle, deja vu, Marvin. This happened last year. Oh, Jones was put on IR. He's put on IR again. He won't play for the remainder of the season. So not a lot of depth after Galladay and Jones, but Danny Amendola could be a real help to PPR leagues. Uh, Amendola has gotten a lot of targets in the past couple of weeks and certainly will without Jones, considering it's only Galladay. They don't have Hawkinson anymore. All those guys are gone. Uh, so I do look at him as someone who you could put in as a WR3 or flex in a PPR league. However, uh, I don't think that I think it's probably best to avoid Lions players for the fantasy playoffs. I concur 100%. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Tampa Bay does have a pretty abysmal pass defense. If you really want like a shoot the moon like DFS play this week, Marvin Hall, who's been a real deep threat here and there. He's got some very good deep catches for the Lions. So Amendola and Hall as possible uh, high target holders for the Lions? I I mean, I don't. Hall's not going to get more than a few targets. But they're going to be high-value targets if he comes down with the catches. Okay. And he's going to be base, And I, I'd be surprised if he costs more than the minimum in DFS. Fair. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey with a foot, non-contact foot injury that the Eagles are keeping silent about. That's tough. Whenever a team is not talking about something, it means it's horrible. So <laughs> He's done for the year. Uh, no, more than that. I mean, he might even start at the beginning of the next year. Like, he could have something like uh, an Achilles. They haven't even talked about it at all. So uh, Jeffrey is out for the rest of the season, like Sean said. Uh, he That hurts a little bit on a team without any other healthy receivers. Everyone has gone down on the Eagles throughout the year. And they've come back, they've gone down. They've come back, they've gone down. Uh, interesting note, uh, uh, JJ, here's another rookie. Arthago Whiteside. Like it's Barcelona, not Bar. You know what I'm saying? Arthago Whiteside. <laughs> Uh, who has a hamstring injury but should be okay for this week, is clearly the number one receiver in Week 15. So number one receiver on the team. Of course, he's really the number three number target. Three. Behind, or four, even. Behind Zach Ertz and uh, Dallas Goddard. But but Ortega might have a really good game. So again, uh, we're talking about guys that you could play if you have a lot of injuries, if you have a, a, a deep league. Ortega, you pick him up. He might end up with a, a touchdown and 70 yards. I mean, that's not out of the question here. Also, I mean, who knows? Maybe Nelson Aguilar comes back, but 
Honestly, if we're talking about a wide receiver on the Eagles that you want to consider this week, yep. my former uh, AAF Fantasy League asset, Ooh. Greg Ward Jr. You guys uh, can talk to your kids about that. Like you're like former former. We Hugh- played in an AAF league. No, he was. <laughs> we played in a fantasy league that got canceled. I was like, I didn't. Two play weeks before that. the end of the regular season, it was brutal. It was brutal. Yeah. Um, but but the thing is, Greg Ward. <laughs> Greg Ward, who, by the way, was a college quarterback who converted to wide receiver, has been getting more targets and more run than Ortega Whiteside. All right, great. He's, yeah, so he's a guy to keep in mind as well if you really want to delve into the Eagles receiver group. I like the one, too. Now, I think uh, Sean and I would both agree that if you're looking for receivers, uh, the Eagles and the Lions are not places you should go. Yeah. The, those are like horrible dark forests that have many bad things in them. Watch out for that forest. Yeah, so Ward, safer PPR floor. JJ, better chance of getting in the end zone. Marquise Goodwin, uh, he disappointed this year after a few flashes. Samuel Sanders and Bourne are the only wide receivers of note in San Francisco. Sean, you are a 49ers fan. Tell me in 30 seconds, no, tell me in five seconds how happy you are about the 49ers this year. I'm happy. Good. <laughs> there he is, guys. MCL sprain. He's only 22, but he can't stay healthy. Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson will close out the year at running back for the Redskins. Chris Thompson is an interesting PPR uh, guy that you could put in his flex. But honestly, all year long, he hasn't put up enough numbers consistently enough to be really viable. So Redskins, one more team. I'm going to say you can't really play anybody on them except for McLaurin. I mean, Thompson, Thompson had a vintage game this week, though. He did catch... Seven, seven, seven catches for 43 yards. It's like the 60s. It's vintage Chris Thompson. Seven catches for 43 yards. If he keeps that up, he's going to do some good for a PPR team I, this week. I don't disagree. That's why I have him on the list. I like Chris Thompson. I've always liked Chris Thompson. But, man, it's tough to play Redskins. Darius Geis, so never going to play another snap in the NFL. Mike Evans. A hard disagree. Mike Evans. Hamstring. It's an inside joke. Mike Evans with a hamstring. He's out for the season, according to Ian Rapport. Uh, really pushes Godwin up for the home stretch as he's the de facto number one now. Should be peppered with targets from Winston. Like Sean said, uh, there's going to be something uh, that happens to Godwin that hasn't happened before to him, which is that, or at least uh, for for a number of games in a row, which is that he'll be the number one guy, especially this upcoming matchup talking about... Um, uh, Slay. Talking about Slay against Yeah, I'm him. getting really nervous about that matchup now. Well, you, I want to sit Godwin, but I don't know you how can't. I can. You flat out cannot. I'm not going to sit Godwin. Uh, the stats say you have to. No, you no, don't. No, they don't. No no stat ever says sit a top 10 wide receiver. One, None. One, one of either Brashad Perryman or Justin Watson will also need to step up to provide more targets. We should see O.J. Howard also continue the upward trend. Uh, there's a lot of targets there. Uh, like Sean said, however... Uh, there is a problem looking at Jameis Winston as having as good of a game as he's had uh, in these kinds of circumstances because the players are not the same. So don't look at him as the same guy because he doesn't have the same guys to throw to. Would that, is that consider that accurate? Ultimately, I would say the turnovers are more inevitable for Winston than the touchdowns. Man, they're always inevitable for Winston. <laughs> he's thrown three picks on the very first pass of the game. Woo! That's impressive. In, in only what, 13 games? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. All right. Before we end the show, uh, even more lightning round. Uh, I'm gonna say a guy and a sentence. And and one of you guys just shout out uh, whatever it is that you think about him, and then I'm gonna move on. Okay. DJ Chark. According to the Jaguars, Chark is week to week after the ankle injury. 
Um, he left the stadium in a walking boot. It looks like it's a season-ending injury. Baby Shark. No, if, if he's available, pick him up because he may play. T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Indianapolis, ankle... I feel like he's going to be out for the rest of the year. Yeah, don't don't pick him up, even if it sounds like he might play. <laughs> Chark. Okay. If they're both available, pick up Chark. Adam Thielen, hamstring. Uh, limited practice. Start him. Start him. He's the Start white him. A.J. Green. If he plays PPR, PPR, if he starts this week, play him. I'm not kidding. Okay. James Conner, back for the Steelers. Hard pass. Juju also. On, on, might as well, might as well combine the Steelers. Juju, Juju also likely to be back this week. Okay, James Conner back for the Steelers. Juju also both uh, probably starting. Uh, what do you guys think? Conner, yes. Juju, no. Agree. I think the Steelers lose a close game to the Bills. Disagree. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, Oakland Raiders. They first said that he, uh, because of the MRI, was going to start, and then we got uh, another update. Uh, I think this uh, early this morning or this afternoon, saying uh, just because the MRI says he's fine, uh, it, it might be possible that Jacobs does sit. Personally, I think Jacobs sits. Does that mean um, that Washington is a good play? What do you guys think? I if Jacobs think... sits. Sure. I say sure. Yeah, agreed. Sure. Great matchup. These are two of the worst run defenses in the NFL, but if, if Jacobs plays for the Raiders, he plays for you. Period. Plays for the Raiders, plays for you. All right. <laughs> the run, the Raiders do run the heck out of whoever well, it is and, who's and, number and one. And both they, oh yeah, it's, it's going to be fun because I don't know who outdoes who out of Fournette and Jacobs, but whoever plays better, their team probably wins. Odell Beckham Jr., sports hernia, hates the Browns, hates Cleveland. We all hate Cleveland, the city. <laughs> Right? I mean, no offense, Clevelanders. What do you think, uh, Jason? Pass. No offense pass. to and also no offense to the bar, the Clevelander in Miami. Um but I, I kinda of, I kinda of get it. Okay. I, okay. I think he gets I think he gets traded, but I hope not. I wanna see that team flourish with him. Will Fuller, it looks like he's getting healthy this week. Uh Deshaun Watson to Will Fuller, always a good connection. Uh three touchdowns and one hundred and ninety yards. <laughs> No comment from Sean. I just, Mark just Andrews. Get, get healthy, goddammit. Get Mark, healthy. Mark Andrews, Baltimore Ravens, thigh bruise. Does he get anything in this game? Just go away already. I'm tired of Mark Andrews. What doesn't I've been Mark, against him in preseason. What doesn't Mark Andrews get in this game? He's getting everything. Wow. You're right. Evan Engram, <laughs> New York Giants, limited practice. Looks like he's going to start. Do you start Engram? Over, under on eight targets. Under. There's a lot of places to throw the ball right yeah, now. Yeah, the, the receiving group the has gotten a little bit more diverse since he's been out. I say under, but I'd say over on. I'd say he gets. I'd say four plus catches. Okay, last one. Jordan Howard, Philadelphia Eagles, getting healthy. Looks like he'll play this week. Miles Sanders has been a start. Does this make Miles Sanders not a start? And if so, do you start Jordan Howard or do you avoid the Eagles entirely? Uh, Remind me the matchup. Who are they, who are they against? I avoid the Eagles. <laughs> I think they're playing Washington this week. Uh, yes. If, uh, if I had, if I gun to my head, had to pick an Eagles back to play, <laughs> they play the Redskins. Yeah. Give me Jordan Howard. Howard plays. Okay. It pass Howard. I would start Boston Scott. No. Why the fuck not? No, it was only. Be- I know. I know. Here's the thing: the Eagles. The Eagles are tied for first in the East. They're gonna do everything they can to win. 
and Jordan Howard gives him the best chance to win. I think you're right. His name is Jordan. They're like, he was good at basketball. What's Maybe this will work for What's us. What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up. All right, guys. Well, that was a uh, fun-filled podcast. We may have gone a little What's long, this? but I think that What's we... This? Packed about as much information as you possibly could. So, join us next week for the last show of the year. The last week of the year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.